0: Special guest speaker today, the first African American woman to own a billion-dollar company. Her name is Janice Bryant Halroyd, founder and CEO of staffing firm Act One,
1: largest private staffing company in North America. She's now ranked by Forbes as second wealthiest self-made African American woman in America, behind only Ms. Oprah Winfrey. She could fill a book with her words of wisdom. Janice, great to have you on the show. Janice, welcome to the program. Janice, what about your point of view? Janice, thank you.
0: Hey, so I'm here with my girl, Shari. Shari, we've been working together for what? Two years, two plus? Two plus years. This has been amazing. I remember the first day you came to work. You had a ticket handed to you and we were off to Sweden. Yes. And during that flight from L.A. to Sweden, you asked me a lot of questions, and one of the things you said was most important to you was that your work experience would also be a mentoring experience. Yes. Why was that so important to you?
1: I feel like the experience that I got working with you meant so much to me because it's things. there are things that I can take with me throughout life, not just professionally, but things I take with me personally as well. You always say everything matters, and literally all the anecdotes that I feel like that you've given me, I've remembered them and I, like i always say i put them in my little black book of life so They've been extremely helpful.
0: That little black book is pretty thick now, okay? You had a lot of questions over the period of time that we've worked together as well. I know that you were really interested in things that were pertaining to business and the ability to use your accounting and your HR degree, Mm -hmm. but most of the questions you asked me were more about how you balance your life out. Why were you thinking I could be helpful to you in that, and why did that matter from a place of employment?
1: I believe that you are a person that's very fully diverse, whether it's being a mother, whether it's being a businesswoman an entrepreneur, and a wife. And you also make time for people that are outside of your immediate family, which will be your 11 siblings. So I thought that you could bring a lot of thought in terms of how to be able to balance and be a real rounded woman, not only in my personal life, but my professional life as well.
0: What are the big things that a mentor really does need to bring? And I'm asking you that because, you know, Oftentimes, when we're working, and you've seen it as we've worked together, that we reference how the worker today is quite different in expectation than the worker long before you (laughs) entered the workforce, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Some people are still working 20 and 30 years later. Mm -hmm. What's mentoring specifically to people in your group, in your age, in your gender, in your culture population? What's mentoring to these folks?
1: I think more so than for millennials specifically, we want people to listen. We want people to understand and be able to kind of get on this train that people are thinking that, you know, are just these monsters that have come along. I think we need people to basically understand um, who we are and also teach us the power of networking. Networking is a super hard thing for us to do because we spend so much time on our iPads or our MacBooks or our, our phones and we don't really get that personable experience with people. So I think networking is a big thing that people want when they're getting mentored.
0: You know, for me, mentoring is a mutual music- experience it works both ways what can mentors expect from mentees like you what do you bring because you know we look at you guys and a lot of times you say millennial and folk of a certain age their eyes go up to the back of their head or you know you're the water fountain conversation Uh, what should we know about you that we don't get I
1: think one thing that um, you guys should know about us is, well, you're a millennial too, so you understand this, but for the people who's, uh, who are the Most white magnificently
0: white. mature millennial.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think people should understand that we do things very organically. I, I saw that um, working with people in corporate America in the past kind of have this playbook where there's some kind of rule book that they go by. We really don't believe in that. We really um, believe in being organic and being honest with each other there's a certain rule book to an interview and I think that if you're honest and upfront in interviews I think you get you know along longer way well, faster. What's in this
0: rule book that gets scary?
1: Um, that there's a certain type of stigma that you have to portray or a certain type of person that you have to be to get along. You always say you bring some of yourself to work but not your whole self which. Leave a little bit home. Yeah I totally get but I think that um I think that we don't think we should have to portray to be someone else to get where we need to be.
0: Okay, so I remember the first time I ever got on an airline, on a, on a flight, and I was so impressed with the wardrobe that the stewards and stewardesses wore. And that that dress kind of suggested a lot to me. It suggested that I was in the hands of professionals. It suggested that I was in a very special moment and I was a special passenger. It also suggested that I knew who to go to on that flight for certain things. In a way, that's kind of really Rule booking. Right. What works about the rule book? I mean, as uh, employers and entrepreneurs, when people hire, they want to make sure that people are going to understand what they're developing, not just your opportunity to express yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you bridge that?
1: I think there's a thin line in, in playing um, a role that fits the situation at that time. Um, I think people have to understand that they need to be able to know what environment they're in and be able to to play out their situations in a way or think about their situations in a way that they can let's say for an interview, you, like you say, imagine how that conversation is gonna go before you go in and play that in your mind over and over. Right, dream it before you live it. Yeah, and be able to understand what's being asked from someone else and be able to deliver that whenever you go into a situation. Um, I I hear many people saying that in corporate America, and I think that's one thing from the rule book that pretty much works is to just kind of recognize the situation that you're in Mm -hmm. and play on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that I've taught with you about over the years we've worked mm-hmm. is understanding when to mirror and when it's just imitation. Right. So how has that felt for you that we've worked together? Has that proven true for you? How have you used that?
1: I think it's, it's proven very true. I think knowing, understanding who the person is before you go in, and there are many apps that can do that nowadays. When you go and meet with some people, they'll Ping into your email and say hey this is what you should know about this person so understand and do your homework on who you're meeting with before you meet with them and that can kind of play out for you in in your best interest
0: right you know the Boy Scouts used to say you got to be prepared and Boy Scouts let girls in now so (laughs) I know there's a debate out there about whether that's good or bad but Boy Scout rules work for Girl Scouts as well right (laughs) and uh, be prepared is still a good rule of thumb what are some of the other ways that you've learned as we've worked together to be prepared that you had no idea Idea would be important or even valuable to your work process.
1: I've learned that um, there's, it's a way to be. There is a way to be overly prepared, but not to worry about being overly prepared. I w- I've learned that being able to turn my nervousness into excitement has taken me a long way, and it's o- it's okay to have a little bit of anxiety or a little bit of nerves. That just right, leave really a flat. Huh? Yeah, I'm going to be able to push myself harder, and there may be you may feel like something is wrong if you're not nervous or not excited. It won't be or mean as much if you're not excited or nervous. So I think being prepared for me is taking that nervousness and being able to train, prepare, practice, and study what I'm doing to be able to actually deliver on what it is that I set out to
0: do. Now, I want to go back to something we talked about a few minutes ago because I really want to dig in for this. I think it's very important, and that's that mentoring is a mutual opportunity. Yes. When we first met, Mm-hmm. at work together mm-hmm. and you asked me if I would be open to hearing you yes. and honest with you when you didn't get it right. That was really important to you if yeah. you remember during our conversation. Yeah. Okay, I wanna make sure that you we, we dig in a little bit on that though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we live and we work in an environment where privacy, employee data privacy, and employee rights are very important. Mm -hmm. So for people who are looking for mentoring, how do they manage being open and honest, especially if it's in a work relationship, Mm -hmm. and uh, even more so if it's with someone who has authority over you? Mm -hmm. How do you then, from your perspective, see that that mentee can approach that relationship understanding that the mentor has to follow certain rules and guidelines beyond their making right. and that's really important for people looking for a mentor to understand so talk about that and how we've worked that and how i share with you that needs to exist right
1: so i said something earlier about this thing called listening you um always said when you whenever you ask me a question you always say that you care to share and i think when a mentor ask a question of a mentee they should always start out by saying that you care to share so that leaves the mentee open and comfortable enough to share whatever it is that they're going through or whatever it is that they want to learn professionally as well so I think if they start at the basis of that you care to share that could kind of keep them at a HR appropriate situation or HR appropriate level um, but still be able to organically move the conversation forward and help the mentee learn. I'm
0: so excited you've been listening a Learning, you know it. Oh, I'm so excited about that. I know it's going to be really great for you as you move on, but we'll talk about that later. Right now, let's keep it around the mentoring thing because I think we're really uh, talking about stuff that matters for folks today. Mm -hmm. Now, you're a millennial, Mm -hmm. and when you first joined my work group, uh, that seemed really young, but now we've got these next gens. So if Mm -hmm. somebody's, yes, 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 the new monster's in town, the new monster's under your bed. but as we peel back that, uh, that that curtain and we look at that, what's the difference in what uh, Next Gens and people, how, who is your sister? What? what, what She's what the Next Gen. Gen. Okay, so what's the difference in her culture and your culture to guide a mentor like me? Yes, yeah, so I think um, from what
1: I've I've seen and what I've observed about my sister and the Next Gen generation as a whole, I think um, the millennials, we kind of learn from other people's experiences and kind of tiptoe about the decisions that we make. But I I think next gens more so, they say forget it. I'm gonna do it and I'm not gonna listen to what anybody else has to say. I'm gonna experience this for myself and if it works, great, and if it doesn't, on to the next and I, I really like that most about the next gens um, when it comes to their personalities and how they approach work and life.
0: I like that too in certain instances, yeah. in some instances that's going to be throwing away folks money yeah. and yeah. time so I think that we have to be thoughtful about what you just said if we're looking to mentor because that is a big culture shift and yeah. we talk about shifts all over the place in business and in social and economic uh, uh, terms mm-hmm. but for you where's the big shift you're seeing occurring for yourself in our mentoring relationship and what do you think promoted that?
1: I think the biggest shift for me would be um, understanding data Mm -hmm. Before I came into this shop, I felt like, you know, I I didn't know it all, but I, I kind of feel like I had a clear overview of what to bring to work. And you always say to leave out the adjectives and start putting in the data. And I think a lot of people miss that mark and get overwhelmed where they see these Huge Excel sheets and see these numbers, and I think understanding data and understanding that numbers really do matter um, can be very important to how people work and how we work. And I and I appreciate you for telling me that early on because now, like you said, I leave out the adjectives. I say, you know, not only what it is but how it needs to be. So,
0: I'm very appreciative. I'm so glad you've been learning and learning and learning. Listen, think about this. Um, you are going to be moving on to grad school now, yay! Um, I'm excited. For someone transitioning into your role, what would you advise them are the mentor opportunities that they're gonna get with me? And if you were to build a template for them, what would you tell them to look for first? Not just to make sure they're succeeding for me as right. an executive aide, but also for themselves in business. Because I happen to think these things can be transferable and really important to anybody in yeah. a career growth?
1: I would say um, the, the first thing that should be on the template is that um, as an executive aide, not just as, as an executive assistant, they should learn to be extremely resourceful. I've taken one thing with me and I always tell myself never ask my boss anything that I can find out for myself. Um, being extremely resourceful allows you to <clears throat> to be able to go through all the avenues that you need to to get your answer and especially working with you I found that you don't take no for an answer <laughs> so and I and I think that's no not, means not now say it again no, no means, means not now that's a
0: dictionary of JBH
1: <laughs> yes, yes so I, I found that I can't go to you and say, hey, this didn't work because you're gonna give me other ways that I should go and try, and I'm gonna feel like, oh crap, why didn't I think of that in the first place? So the number one thing is to learn to be extremely resourceful, and number two, never ask your boss anything that you should find out uh, for yourself. I would say the uh, number three thing would be to listen. And um, How many times? listen, listen, and listen. So three times, yes. Um, You have ABCs that you always always go by and ask the right questions for A, be where you say you're going to be. Ask the right questions then. Listen, listen, listen for the right answers. Mm -hmm. Be where you say you're going to be, when you say you're going to be. Most importantly, how you say you're going to be. And then C, complete Circular, connected communication. Don't just send an email, but always get the response back.
0: Right, and everybody who needs to know, should be included. Yes, yes, Yes. make sure you CC them on that. Oh my goodness, Shaw, you've been listening and learning over these two and a half years. I told you my black book is like this. (laughs) I'm really excited about that for you too. Actually, I'm going to get a little emotional as we talk because um, the mentoring is a mutual relationship and you know, as a mentor, I've learned from you. You've yeah. mentored me as well. Uh, what are some of the things you think you've taught me and you've seen me? How am I doing? I think you're
1: doing um, beautifully. I think the one thing that you get is to listen. And you take your own advice, you don't just give it out. I actually see you uh, live your own advice out every day, whether that's in the office or outside of the office. You really do put, Um, your family and work and you're a selfless person. You put everyone else first and I've seen that and I would definitely love to take that with me throughout life and I know I will. So what do you feel like you've learned from me?
0: One of the things I know I've learned from you is to appreciate that I can use devices more robustly myself. So when you first worked with me two and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. one of the things that you really thought was cool was that I had this beautiful book, This Uh, this spiral bound book that I kept notes in Mm -hmm. and I paid attention to you using your devices and you've transitioned me from paper so yeah I live in California I think of myself as as an environmentalist but you've basically taught me that it's more than the environment I'm saving I'm also saving my opportunity so now I insist on all of my employees using their devices because no telling where those books get left or how they get lost that data is still there and being the queen of data I really it's important to me that we retain and archive things that are important to us so I think using devices fearlessly you've really taught me Mm -hmm. another thing you've taught me that's really important is that I can experience the things that I want to achieve through other people who have quite a different approach than I do Mm -hmm. remember our slut walk? Yes, that was a big moment for me when you can me to come out on a Saturday. You know how I preserve <laughs> my weekends, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And you were working that and you helped me to understand why that was important for me to show up. Once I got there, I saw that you were really right because that audience was filled with oh people God. who loved what I had to share. But importantly, I think they loved that I cared to be there. Yes. You know? So you've taught me to kind of broaden my circle of where I think I can be impactful, too. Um, We learned a lot together, huh?
1: We did, we did. We also have some questions that uh, we got from social media, too. If you would like to dive into those, are you okay?
0: I think it's a really good time to do that. So yeah, let's use the device, huh? Perfect you know what Um, we're always getting these questions and a lot of times I don't get to answer it out loud for folks and we're having to do it on Instagram a lot but let's take them
1: all right so one of the first questions that we got um, is they want to know how do I solicit uh, clients we got this question about 10 times so um, how should people solicit clients.
0: doesn't matter the industry. You know, we just talked about that a little bit. Be prepared. Mm -hmm. I think the first thing you've got to do before you solicit a client is make sure you understand who that client is and where they are in their own business. Oftentimes we're so excited and candidly, we can be rightfully excited about what we have to offer, whether it's a product or a service. And we want to get it in front of somebody and get them to buy it. But you know, the best way to get somebody interested in what you have to offer is to be interested in who they are Mm -hmm. and where they are in their process so I think you have to do your homework be prepared right that's thematically going to be truthful wherever you are in life and that matters in business and in your personal life but once you've done that and you understand who that client is and as best you're capable of knowing where they are in their processes you need to start to attend some of the things that they attend Mm -hmm. make sure you understand what they care about and how they care about it so that you can position yourself for a better lift. To their attention. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important if you know anyone in that company that you create a relationship with them and have an escort to your opportunity. Do you realize that many of the opportunities we have in the Act One group mm-hmm. were presented to us not by us soliciting clients, mm-hmm. but by us being invited or introduced to clients because of what we're doing with our current clients? Yes. One of the things that I insist, and you've seen me do this as we've walked around, Uh, together from office to office or client to client Mm -hmm. is to make sure what do I tell our folks make sure every client is your best referenceable client so when clients are introducing you to opportunities that's really cool Mm -hmm. and sometimes folk don't stop to think to ask the client to introduce them to the next opportunity one tip about that Mm -hmm. if a client says no figure out why because that's something that's competition to you with that client. Right. If a client is not prepared to reference you to another client, mm-hmm. you need to figure out why and correct that. They should be rushing to introduce someone else to the experience they have with you. What's next?
1: Um, the next question we have is, this came in a lot too, and I would even love to know the, questions, the answer to this. How do you stay motivated? For me,
0: there is not a process to motivation. Mm-hmm. I think it is iterative through how you're living your life. And motivation can come from different places and different at different times. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for you to make sure you're careful, thoughtful, strategic about what you're listening to right. and what you hear impact you a lot. You've heard me say you need to listen to the music that takes you to where you want to go. You need to also eliminate the imagine. Mm -hmm. You have been learning. Uh, But it's also important to erase the noise. You know? Now, all noise isn't bad. There's good noise out there. Stuff you haven't been thinking about that's not in your train or your process right now is still important for you to listen to. Um, But I think that you've got to narrow the scope of where you're listening sometimes when you're looking around your motivation factors, Right. right? So for me, what motivates me is when people are being they're best innovative Mm -hmm. they are bothering to I remember back in the days early long probably before you were born we talked about shattering the glass ceiling yes I've heard that before have you heard that terminology what does that mean to you when I say shattering the glass ceiling
1: I think that means going above and beyond don't just do the bare minimum you know what it means to women my age what does that mean
0: it means that we were breaking that glass ceiling of opportunity in corporate America or in business or in banking and financial relationships Mm -hmm. where we could see Mm -hmm. what was beyond the ceiling. Yeah, we could see what was beyond the ceiling, but we couldn't get through it. And in some instances, that was bulletproof glass. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to shatter that ceiling Mm -hmm. and allow ourselves to continue to grow. So when I talk about um, in answer to this question, when I talk about what motivates me, mm-hmm. it's the opportunity to really be innovative. In solutioning for things that still matter most to me. Oftentimes you've been with me and you've seen people run up oh I want to live you oh you're living my best life and I'm like do you really want to be me do you know what I've been through right you know you know what I still deal with Um, but uh, motivation for me really is anybody in my organization or anything that I can do myself Mm -hmm. or in my community that's innovative towards solutioning I'm all about the solution and I use music to keep me on track with that because the noise that happens, we don't get to govern. We only get to govern how and when we listen to it.
1: That's that's so important. Another question that we got is how do you balance it all? Do you? Is there a certain amount of time that you plan out your day with? That you, and I would know the answer to this too because I manage that. But um, how do you balance it all Mentally also, how, how, did, how does that work for you?
0: Well, here's the thing. Anybody who tells you they've got it all together really is at a stopping point in life because in order to have it all, you really are finished, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, one of the best teachers I've ever had is someone who I happen to love and I'm married to, Bernie Halroyd. Mm-hmm. And Bernie loves to say, when you're green, you grow, and when you're white, you're mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay, for me, I think that balancing is understanding that at first, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're always growing. Everything is iterative when you're in your best state. Mm -hmm. So balance isn't 50-50 in a growing environment, right? Right. So sometimes it's gonna be Mm -hmm. 20-80, 70-30. Sometimes it's even shared with three parties. And it's gotta be 30-30. Forty, mm-hmm. But it's understanding that the formula is working for where you want to go and establishing the timelines to assure that you are getting there. Mm-hmm. Another uh, person I admire is my son, Brett. Mm-hmm. Brett is teaching and has been teaching for several years now. It's not enough to have a good strategy. A strategy is worth nothing without an execution. And so if you're looking for balance in your life, you've got to make sure that you're constantly going back and you're testing that strategy you have. Mm -hmm. to see if you're executing on it well or if it's fully executionable now toward the goal you want Mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying it's still going back to doing your homework Mm -hmm. right being prepared and so when you do those things then balance happens a little better for you last thing I'm going to say about how do you balance it all is to understand that you can have it all you can't have it all necessarily at one time yes And you talked about where millennials live right now Mm -hmm. and how important it is to millennials to be able to express themselves and have people listen to them. And you know, there's an immediacy that a lot of people believe that folk millennial and younger Mm -hmm. live with. You don't get it all at one time. You know, Uh, one of the things that I like to think we do in our company well is deliver on the promise we make to people when they hire into the company. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to think about whether we deliver on the promise we make to individuals we live with as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Balancing when I was much younger in my career, as a as an entrepreneur, I had young children. Yes. Oftentimes I'd say prayer with them by phone, mm-hmm. right? But they needed me to deliver back to them as well. So that strategy had to be studied to make sure I was executing for the company and for the family well. And sometimes you don't get it right. The last thing I'm gonna say about balancing mm-hmm. is nothing is ever balanced for you on a personal level unless you're prepared to forgive yourself. Because if you're gonna be innovative, Mm -hmm. if you're gonna really step out there and you're gonna do the wild thing, Mm -hmm. you know, The wildest thing you can imagine then you want to make sure that you're capable of forgiving yourself Mm -hmm. because in our own company we tell people make mistakes make mistakes Mm -hmm. and a lot of success comes from mistakes 3M's greatest selling product for a long time was that little sticky notepad you put all over my stuff (laughs) and it was an accident but somebody saw it as an opportunity Mm -hmm. and it became a product that soul dwell across the world. Well, accidents can be meaningful to you, Mm -hmm. but only when you're able to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you can make everything work, because what do we know? Everything matters.
1: Yep. Okay, I think this can be the, the last question. Um, how did you feel when you got your first big client? Did you feel like you can take this on? Were you overwhelmed and what team what what uh, tactics did you use to choose a team that you had to put on that client or that certain account? How did How did that make you feel? Did you think you could take it on or? Was it overwhelming for you?
0: Well, first of all, let me just tell you that our first big client is still one of our largest and best clients, okay? So I've learned a lot with this client because the client was very engaged to make sure that the relationship worked well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the first lesson about getting a big client, Mm -hmm. is to make sure that you contract well so that you can deliver and you can deliver profitably, which means sometimes you have to be prepared to go back and you have to Make sure that you guys are looking at where the elements of the contract work and don't work because the four corners are going to govern that relationship for life. It is iterative, so at contract seasons, you can change it up. Mm -hmm. But before we ever got to that, that feeling about getting that first big contract... It felt so good, and I remember the uh, the, the rah-rah around it, yeah. and then that night, I remember the ooh, ooh, you know, you, you, you a lot of us as entrepreneurs and, and even larger organizations, sometimes we sell on a promise, right? You know, we go out there and we believe that we'll sell it because we're committed to create it, not yeah. just deliver it, mm-hmm. um, but the bottom line is the team who helped me sell that contract were the team who had actually serviced it because the first big contract for me came as a result of having been a backup vendor to somebody else doing that. Wow. My so first
1: time They already around, knew that you could do it.
0: They knew who we were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They knew who we were in regular delivery. Mm-hmm. They knew who we were in emergency. Wow. You get that what was, I'm saying? Yeah. So, my first big contract was a matter of scaling up mm-hmm. with someone I already knew, mm-hmm. right? So and they knew to you. It, 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 it was so exciting mm-hmm. because it not only helped me grow with that client, Mm -hmm. it taught me a formula. If you look across our client profile, Mm -hmm. our portfolio today is a history of building relationships Mm -hmm. from one level to the next. Some of our biggest clients started out with us providing minuscule portions of what we actually deliver on the whole. But you know, that kinda helps me to really wrap this up for us because um, In thinking about my biggest client and how I felt at that moment, Mm I also think about one of the biggest successes I've had in working with somebody and how that wraps up this moment and that's with you. Oh. So you're going off to where now, Shar You're going off to Emory, right?
1: Yes, I'm hoping to be going off to Emory, and I know that going to grad school for me, period, will be just, it'll be a new change, but it'll be an exciting change. I'll use my, nerv- use my nervousness as excitement like you always tell me to do, so I know that'll take me far.
0: Right, yes. and... Um, What's my personal mantra?
1: Never compromise who you are personally to become who you wish to be professionally.
0: If you remember that, if you believe that and you share that with me, then you're gonna have all the balance you want in life. You're gonna be really ready when that next big opportunity comes, whether it's a contract or a new job. Mm -hmm. And candidly speaking, I think you already lived that before I ever taught it to you in words. I think you were living it by example. So I've enjoyed talking with you. I hope we've shared a lot that can help a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you one thing, You've been one of the best experiences in my life, and I've enjoyed working with you. I wish you so much success as you journey forward, and hey, our relationship isn't over. We're just beginning, right?
1: Yes. Thank you so much.